Hey, so how's it, guys? Welcome to a revamped, reborn uh, edition of Freedom Phonetics. I am your host with my awesome colleague, Tolan Tiejo. And today we've, we've got some very interesting uh, topics lined up for you, some, some lit conversations uh, lined up. And so today, what we're going to do is we're first going to chat about uh, some uh, some fan content, and then we're going to talk about uh, an important news story that 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 you know that we found particularly interesting and noteworthy. Uh, so first up, you know, we, we're going to talk about the context around which uh, around which this the story this fan article um, why we want to speak about it. So on the weekend, the Blitzbocker won their fifth consecutive. Uh, H H HSBC World Rugby Seven Series, and this is after they broke their own record of a fourth consecutive uh, series victory uh, last year. And on the same time, this past weekend, we also had the Proteus Cricket Team win a, a ODI series against India on the back of a Test series win against them before. Um, and we know that. Cricket South Africa has been through the absolute most recently uh, with their board. They've had social justice hearings ongoing. Um, the whole Black Lives Matter scandal last year. Um, you know, we had players uh, refusing to take the knee and there was a lot of backlash against that. Um, and uh, yeah, so on the back of this, I think it's worth de delving into... Uh, ben Kun's article, who used to be uh, with Fan last year, um, and getting a phone call from my grandmother. Not now, Granny. Um, so now this 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 article from Ben. He essentially highlights the advantages that that sporting opportunities have for kids in schools. And now we've just, kids are now back at school, I'm sure to the, to the, to the excitement of many parents around the country. Um, and, you know, he, he highlights some, some important things, the benefits of, of sports to kids. Um, Tio, I'm going to start with you. We'll go into the article a little bit. Uh, growing up, was sport a thing for you? I mean, what sort of value do you, did, did you see for sport? Uh, growing up? Not at all, actually. Uh, I was one of those naughty kids who would always run away when it was time for sports. But of course, <laughs> sport sport is important uh, for, for keeping healthy, first and foremost. Secondly, for, for, for creating relationships with other people. I mean, it makes life much more easier to make friends on the field than having to make them outside the field, you know? And... Yeah, those 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 are the only points I'll raise for now, sure. But I do think sports is important, sure. Yeah. Cool. So, Sharlan, um, what what are your thoughts on 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 Ben's article? Yeah, man. I think as the homie sports is absolutely important, especially um, in like the community where I grew up. We were we are major um, soccer fans, so it's food, it's the football world on the side. Um, and I think that sports generally has the ability to unite people unlike anything else. Um, in your other article, Nelson Mandela quotes um, something, is, this quote is mentioned about Nelson Mandela that, to that, to, that says something to that effect. 
And I think it's actually Titiru because um, like our rugby team, even just this past weekend, or even when they won the Rugby World Cup, it wasn't a matter of um, the skin color of any player, but it was the ability for them to cooperate and actually work together. And if we really um, want to compare them to the cricket team, as you mentioned, that's been completely race-obsessed over the last period, um, I think that when we see a non-racial team um, get together and actually work together, we can see mm. the effects. And we don't need to look any further than to see what non-racialism does when people are chosen on merit and not only because you have to fill a, a quota or a sports quota for whatever reason to rectify whatever injustice took place in the past. But if you focus on merit and the abilities that each mm. individual can bring to the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, meritocracy is, is uh, kind of an absolute when it comes to sport. I mean, no, no one yeah. wants to be in a team uh, when they're not good enough. I mean, obviously, there's this mm-hmm. space to put a player in, let them grow. Um, but I think that it, the, what, what we're kind of getting to here um, is the ability for people to have the opportunity to, to play sports. And I think that's that's also incredibly important. Um, and we had Simpe Jonas and Gerbrand van Heeren on last week, I think, uh, chatting about the education budget, uh, the basic education budget, the hundreds of billions of rands that goes into it. And then when we look at the facilities available um, to the majority of children in this country, it's very limited. Um, and so even just that that stepping stone into it, into into the sporting arena is severely uh limited so i mean Tiago, i mean there's can can sport be a method a means to demand uh more accountability from from government um in how budgets are spent um you know maybe is sport something that we should maybe be looking at in terms of schooling uh budgets in particular um Maybe are we maybe not paying enough attention to that just from the from an extramural point of view for for kids? Absolutely. I mean, it's written in the article that when you compare township schools, rural um, area schools, and and and, and suburban schools, there's there's a huge difference, and the main difference lies in the very question of sporting facilities at the schools. So I think, of course, government should be held accountable for not doing more in terms of building uh, sporting facilities at township schools, rural area schools, and really doing the job of truly converting the schools into truth because of hope that could in future produce national sport players and and international sport players really would fly the South African flag um, high. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sean, I think it would I mean, we speaking. We speak about racial quotas. We've had quote cards featuring yeah. the likes of Ashley Prince, McIntyre, speaking about the sort of like saying, you know, we need to work on development. We can't focus on race. Do you think if we got this right at a grassroots level, we would be talking about the sort of things we're seeing at Cricket South Africa? With, I mean, obviously, they they it's going into some historical stuff there, which obviously is a little like not not particularly kosher, but. Could yeah. this be a solution that you know solves the problems that we see at, at the professional level? Yeah, for sure. Um, I always just think that 
when it's when sport is prioritized at the grassroots level, especially on school, especially with those who aren't necessarily um, academically inclined, like some kids definitely struggle with academics. You find that some of them actually perform much better in school than than they would otherwise. And I, that's why I think sports is definitely like as an holistic approach to education, where it's not just sitting in a classroom, getting a textbook and repeating whatever is in the textbook. But it does definitely have a um, holistic approach. And I think if we can demand that culture in our schools um, and not just blaming it on the government necessarily, but actually demanding that, you know what, we need more school um, activities at our local school. If we can demand that here, it will definitely affect the results we see at um, the national level. And yeah, and we will obviously be able to put the best team forward when all of our schools are actually participating in sports, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be sports. Um, yes. I mean, I remember visiting a school in, in, in Hanover Park and they were so keen on their marching band. That was a massive part of these kids' uh, life, life, livelihoods. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, and it comes and, you know, we need facilities, we need the, the money to go where it needs to go, but we also need kids to feel safe. Um, and I think also importantly, maybe something we haven't even spoken about is the the, the role models um, that yeah. can come about from from having coaches, from having teachers who are involved with their uh, not only educating their kids in the classroom but also on the sports field. Yeah. So, guys, on from moving along to our news item of the week, uh, it's a little bit. Uh, less inspiring than than the, than, uh, the Blitzbocker. But um, yeah, this piece, this piece I just thought it was was wild. Um, so this piece, which is in the City Press by Jana Smith, titled uh, 26,025 police guns stolen or missing. Um, so I'm just going to run through, just going to read briefly what this article says. So... The, the article was triggered by a um, by a series, a, a number of firearms going missing at a police station in, in Joburg. Um, 158, fi 158 firearms disappeared from the evidence room at the Nord police station uh, in Johannesburg. And Nord, guys, is not uh, not a not a like a, in a dodgy area, this is in the heart of heart of Johannesburg. Um, and then, according to the DA spokesperson um, uh, Oki Tablanche, in the past financial five financial years, three thousand four hundred five police firearms were stolen or went missing. So, uh, I mean, basically, the people we are entrusting to keep us safe are losing or stealing uh the firearms that they are confiscating from criminals so it's a bit of a warped uh situation going on here but what it, what i found hilarious um late or in a very uh sort of uh, in the best sense of the word uh was that the the, the article goes on uh, gideon jubert editor of paratus who we've featured on a quote card before says yeah. that um in terms of the Firearms Control Act, the police were obliged to keep an electronic register of firearms. Now, this, this is great. The electronic system that monitored where forensic evidence and firearms were in the police system was turned off several months ago 
because the service yeah. provider had not been paid. Uh, Shonen, off the bat, what are your thoughts? Sure, my, my man, this type of incompetence is not a mistake, I have to be honest. Um, mm. This, I feel like they know exactly what they're doing, especially with regards to firearms going missing, as you say, because especially on the K-Flats, um, one of the... Um, Probably the most prominent gang leaders, um, his name was Rashad Stahi. Um, they were part of the Hard Livings. Even him during one of his interviews on um, documentaries on BBC, if I remember correctly, he clearly stated that, you know what, that the South African police service were actually providing gangs, including his gang, with firearms and claiming that it was either stolen or it went missing, however, but they were actually, in some cases, providing it to the gang members for free. So I don't think that this type of incompetence is, you know, um, by mistake or mm -hmm. it's coincidental because it's very much a part of the lack of accountability that we find in the police service. And I'd just like to note one more thing, that as you mentioned, Gideon um, Yobard mentioning the rules that these police officers are meant to follow, um, because it's law that they need to keep a, uh, a register of some sort of the weapons in their possession. The police, especially Becky Chele, are the most prominent guys trying to limit gun ownership for, you know, law-abiding South Africans, yet the police themselves cannot even follow the rules that they have set out. They cannot even keep okay. account of their weapons, and yet they want to take it away from ordinary South Africans. No, that's good. Yeah, exactly. The Firearms Amendment Bill, which they posed last year, yeah. seeking to take away firearms from citizens who want to defend themselves. I mean, you cannot, you actually cannot make this stuff up. I mean, therefore, <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the police force actually just another failing state-owned entity? Yeah, I don't think there's, there's anything surprising really around this. This is simply an extension of what's happening in the country. Corruption has become part of our daily lives in South Africa. And some of the police are deeply involved in, 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 in the corruption cases in South Africa, from cases around selling of drugs to selling yeah. of, 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 of police guns and everything. Yeah, so it's all part and parcel of, of, of really the decay of South Africa as we know it. Um, South Africa falling apart. It's all part and parcel of that. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think, Sholin, maybe the, I think that the bigger issue at, at hand here is at, at, what, what, we've been what we've been discussing internally, at least, is that corruption is not in and of itself the problem, but rather a symptom of... Uh, a broader governmental failure um, and a lack of an, of accountability. So, I mean, how do we how do we find our way out of this? Um, you know, what as an ordinary citizen at home, um, you know, already the private uh, private security sort of numbers uh, individuals. There are you know the private police service in, as an industry is three times larger than public yeah. policing. Um, yet our, our crime rates are still so high. So, I mean, where, you know, where, where do we go to from here um, for, like, how, where do you think citizens can play a role in trying to demand better, less corrupt policing? Yeah. 
Um, Alex, for me, most important is that I think like ordinary citizens and community members should definitely be getting involved in um, activists, activists like action um, society. Um, if I remember correctly, like they are definitely prominent, um, safe, like promoting safety and security in our communities and getting behind these type of guys that definitely, you know, they stick it to our leaders through the petitions and the um, judicial procedures, procedures to keeping our leaders accountable. And another active way I think that community members can definitely um, take security into their own hands because clearly our police service is failing and taking it into our own hands, our own safety and security, simple actions like neighborhood watches. Like I know in my community, we have a very strong neighborhood watch um, um, organization that, you know, has taken over the responsibility of a failing police service that is under-resourced, that's never actually showing up in our communities, and that actually filled the void instead of just complaining that there's not enough policemen, there's not enough um, um, prosecutions taking place for criminals, and they're actually saying, like, you know what, we will take the safety of our fellow community members, our children, into our own hands, because whether we like it or not, safety and security, law and order is the foundation for any successful um, or society, to be honest, yeah. because yeah. without it, everything can, everything else falls apart because otherwise anarchy will reign. So I definitely think that it's time that, you know, these type of community organizations are more, are, are rooted up or more promoted and are, people are actually taking action um, themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think through, I think one other aspect is just, you know, understanding that safety and security is a point of individual liberty. Um, and so, yeah. you know, that's what we try and do at FAN, you know, just be engaged. Uh, you know, we, Tioko is heading up, heading up the articles that, that we're putting together. Um, you know, arm yourself with good arguments as to why safety and security is, is important. Um, I, I mean, obviously, in the plain sense of the word, it's self-explanatory, but I think from a point of understanding it as something that is important to your future, as Sholin has said, without it, anarchy reigns. So, guys, I think on that note, uh, I think it's time for the Burning Questions with Mbali, which is up next. Bali, welcome back to Freedom Fanatics. Welcome back Over to, to you. Freedom Fanatics. <laughs> well, so thank you so much, Alex. Hi, guys. Um, as Alex has said, welcome to the segment of Burning Questions. And guys, today, amazingly, um, the code card that we're actually talking about speaks um, a lot to the corruption and the incompetence that you guys were just speaking about. Um, and this code card is from Mwele Zimbegi, and it reads, the country has an increasingly corrupt, incompetent, and indif indifferent government that has run the state-owned enterprises it inherited from the apartheid regime into the ground, 
do you what do you guys uh think about about this code card and as as i've said it speaks very well to what you guys were discussing just now uh, let me uh i think yeah i think um it's very depressing i know hence you know the yeah. breathing and out oh <laughs> uh, man uh it's too early in the year for this um no, I, I think it, it speaks very much to, uh, I mean, I mean, in the first half of the show, we touched on policing, we touched on yeah. sporting codes, we touched on schools, we, um, it's just that yeah. general sort of culture of corruption. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, as, as we were saying earlier, I think the important thing to realize is that corruption is a symptom, not the cause. The, mm. the cause is a government that is led by a socialist document drawn up in the 1960s, the National Democratic Revolution, and the various policies that go with it that allow for corruption to happen um, and the destruction of, of institutions that are, actually can help uh, keep politicians honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely do agree with that. Um, Mr. Sholin, do you have anything to add before we go into the comment of the week? Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with uh, Mr. Mbeki. Um, the, the more, the more um, logical one and practical one, I think. Um, <laughs> and we, <laughs> we definitely do have um, a corrupt and incompetent government. However, I also want to note um, that we have seen that that does not necessarily need to be the case because in places like uh, Midfile, in our thing with the city of Cape Town, across South Africa, there are some municipalities where a practical, pragmatic um, way of doing things, of just giving basic services to people, whether it's water, electricity, mm -hmm. and, you know, service delivery, these are basic things where in some governments in South Africa, it's actually um, taking place. However, a yeah. national government, I think this um, quote is 100% on point and accurate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. Okay, guys, let's move on to the comment of the week, which is a very uh, passionate one, I must say. You know, I while, you, while, you bring, while you bring that up, can I just make one last point? Um, yeah, you can. Before this, this comment. Um, it's just that I think it's important that we have people like Muletsi and Becky, who aren't afraid to say it how it is, um, yeah. to yeah. yeah, call call a call a call a spade a spade, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely, fam. I agree. Um, okay, guys. So this comment comes from um, a person called Graham, and it reads: "This is common knowledge, and people will still support this these criminals by voting them into power. This, by law, makes them an accessory to the ANC crimes against humanity." Only grave train riders will vote for them to keep their pockets lined. This guy is very uh, passionate. Uh, crime against humanity. Mr. Tiago, I'll start with you. Um, do you think Graham's point is valid? Yeah, let me let me let me seek clarity quickly first. Is this a comment to the card you put yes. up the first time? Yes. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I think I think Graham is completely correct. I mean, since the dawn of democracy, we've seen. Uh, public institutions and state-owned institutions like your PRASA, your ESCOM and SAA being, being brought down to their knees by the ANC government, uh, mainly 
due to, 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 to the whole deployment policy thing of theirs. Um, deployment has, has caused many problems for us in state-owned entities by people who are not competent enough for positions are hired into those positions still because they are loyal members of the ANC. But I think Graham is very, very much correct. Um, we keep, or people keep on voting these people into power and they continue to be corrupt. In fact, the more you vote them into power, the, the more corrupt yep. they become. Yeah. So it's very much correct, sure. Definitely. Yeah, if I can yeah. give a challenge, um, I just want to be the devil's advocate for uh, my Let's here. go. Um, you know, I am no um, fanboy of the ANC at all. But when he says that, you know, that they are, that voters who are voting for the ANC are somehow accessories to the ANC's crimes against humanity. Um, <laughs> um, I after, <laughs> my, this would be my challenge. I would be like, that would be simplifying the fact of the um, meaning that the ANC have for many of the older generation. Because mm. many of the older generation tend to see the ANC as this um liberate this from apartheid to democracy mm. yeah and therefore i think i would actually challenge um graham and actually tell him you know what instead of necessarily being that these voters are accessories because the majority of them still vote for the anc let's not um, yeah. forget um we shouldn't just be judging them and saying that you know you guys are accessories and and criminals or whatever the case may mm. be but actually challenge them and ask them why are you still voting for the anc when there are clear alternatives towards uh. um towards the anc because you know accusing people of being criminals is very a disengagement when we need to be keeping yeah. more people engaged so instead of yeah. them voting for the anc you should be helping them to vote for an alternative um opposition to the anc so I yeah. think that is a beautiful solution in just accusing people of being criminals and accessories to crime. Definitely, but I, I must say, I will judge them in 2022 if you say that. <laughs> I'm definitely judging you. You can, you, obviously you can be like, why are you voting for the ANC? They're going to be like, yeah, it's my savior. Um, sir, it's 2022. Can we, you know? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think guys, if there's anyone who wants to, to say um, last words, you know, uh, Alex, well, of course, I'll, I'll of give course, it to you. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Tiejo. Oh, well, no, 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 I just wanted to respond to Sholen. Of course, yeah. um, people who vote for the ANC do have their own personal reasons for voting for the ANC, but that, that does not stop them from becoming accessories or enablers of um, yes, criminal activities of the ANC. I mean, you can have your personal reasons for voting a certain party in yeah. and still be an enabler of corruption by uh, through Definitely. voting in a corrupt bunch of people to 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 lead the government sure yeah they are enablers Sorry. okay let's all judge everyone who voted for the anc okay <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, think, yeah, I think it's just my, my two cents yeah i don't think it is yeah i don't know about the crimes against humanity bit and i don't know yeah. about this by law being uh you know if you vote for a, a crap party that engages in in criminal activities it makes you an accessory to their shenanigans um but i think one thing we must bear in mind is that uh, there's a there's a large portion of the electric that tie social grants 
to the ANC. And so when it comes to election yeah. time, the idea that you would lose your, that if let's say an opposition party comes into power, they're going to mm. take away your social grant. That's a very powerful yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, as Sharon says, there's historical roots. Um, but I think the important thing, uh, what I like about this comment, even though there's parts of it I disagree with, is that it brings it back to, if you want change, you have to go to the mm. polls. You need Definitely. to vote with your feet. Absolutely. Vote with your feet. Yes, yeah. definitely vote with your feet, <laughs> guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, episode of Freedom Fanatics. Um, catch us every Tuesday on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter and YouTube. Guys, remember, your freedom is worth fighting for.